0: is the sweetest world is not my home I'm just to pass through My treasures are laid up Somewhere beyond the blue The angels beckon me From heaven's open door And I can't feel at home In this world anymore And oh Lord you know What will I do the angels beckon me from heaven's open door?
1: And I can't
0: feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. I fixed it up with Jesus. Lord, what will I you? The angels beckon me From heaven's open door, And I can't feel at home In this world anymore Just over in glory land We live eternally The saints on every hand Are shouting victory The songs of sweetest praise Just over in glory land We live eternally The saints on every hand Are shouting victory The song of sweetest brains drift back from heaven's shore And I can't feel at home Heaven's open door, and
1: I can't
0: feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, and no, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in. Celestial.
2: change the order of our service here again uh, before we take our prayer request. Let's sing a song, I Can't Even Walk Without You.
0: Now I can't even walk
2: stand by our side. and So if you would just continue to play that or something softly. Uh, we just have a few prayer requests, so I'll have you remain standing. And if I could um, have Brother Josh uh, come forward and pray over these prayer requests once I'm done. And also we'll have the deacons come forward afterwards as well so we can pray over the tithes and offering. Uh, we just want to remember Brother Matt. Uh, he's having to work over this evening and wasn't able to make it. So we just want to remember him. Uh, We also want to uh, remember Miles Coffey, who is not with us. Uh, He's sick this evening. Uh, We want to continue to remember Sister Mary Smith. Uh, I read uh, where she had finished uh, some injections today, but uh, they were still having to do some treatments. And so uh, we just want to continue to remember her in prayer and Brother Smith as well as he cares for her. Um, We want to remember Brother Tim Ashong, who is in the hospital right now with a pretty severe infection. Uh, So we just want to especially remember him, uh, because this um, will play a lot into his immigration. So we just want to remember him in prayer that the Lord will touch him. Uh, We want to remember Brother Frank McComas. Um, He had a small heart attack and um, ended up in the hospital. He is at home recovering but we do want to remember him this evening and the family. Um, Also, um, some of us know uh, Sister Margie O'Dell. Um, She used to be able to come and hasn't been able to come for some time, Uh, but her husband Brian died, and so we just want to remember her and the family today. Um, And that is all the prayer requests that I have here. I know there's uh, many who are not with us. Uh, They're traveling. It's that time of year where everybody's traveling to go see family and So we just want to remember everyone who's not with us and any unspoken prayer requests by the uplifting of your hand. We all have them every single day. We all have them. So, uh, Brother Josh, if you would just come pray.
3: Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, to gather here tonight, Lord, to worship you, Lord, Lord, to stay in this dry building, Lord, and when others, Lord, may have leaky roofs, Lord, we're just so thankful, Lord, for your blessings, Father. We're thankful, Lord, for uh, our church family, Lord, returning, Lord, from Africa, Lord, this week, and come back safely, Father. Lord, the ones who couldn't be here tonight, Lord, with the needs, Lord, they've given here, Father. We just pray, Lord, you minister to them, Lord. Lord, I think of the Smiths, Lord, how we miss them, Father. Lord, how I would love to just hear Brother Richard, Lord, to pray over these needs, Lord, or Brother Joe Drum, Lord. Lord, I think of Sister Margie's Lord and her family, Father, with the loss of her husband, Lord. Lord, with the families, Lord, that are working, Lord, or, or sick, Lord, or traveling, Father. I know my family and I have some plans and trips coming up, Lord, as well. We pray you be with them, Father. We pray, Lord, especially for the remainder of this service or tonight, that you just come and feel welcome here, Lord. And may we be hearers, Lord, of your word, Lord, tonight. But when we leave, may we be doers, Father. We ask in all in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Let's just sing this, Gentle Shepherd, just as the deacons come forward at this time, too. Gentle
0: Shepherd
2: just play that again. We'll sing that again here before Brother Barry comes. And uh, before we do, just a quick announcement. Uh, Just remember um, to, about the dinner uh, this Saturday, and remember to bring a $10 gift. And uh, and, uh, if you would, uh, just let Sister Karen Morley know if you uh, cannot uh, get a gift or need help getting one. So uh, that is the only announcement I have, and with that, uh, we'll turn the service over here.
0: Gentle share.
4: understanding let's uh take our bibles and let's pull up our powerpoint here tonight and talk a little bit about the subject of nature and we want to go to the book of romans first of all romans chapter two god bless you all certainly good to see you all and uh i don't know whether you feel the same way but i feel like it's a great thing to see you all tonight and may god bless you and appreciate you coming out tonight on this winter stormy weather And uh, I'm going to leave right after church and and head home quickly because, uh, Lord willing, because we're supposed to get snow and ice, and uh, I'm excited. And I don't want to be down here if that's happening up there, so uh, we're excited. Romans chapter 2, let's begin uh, reading here. These are all very common uh, portions of Scripture here that we'd like to read. For For the hearers of the law... Paul writes, are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Think about that now. When somebody who who actually expresses or fulfills the word of God, and they are not uh, they're not like the Jews. You know, they're, they're people who are grafted in, he says. They be actually become a law unto themselves. And that's a, that's a pretty amazing thing. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. May the Lord at his blessing. Let's have a word of prayer, if you don't mind, here before you take your seats. Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Lord, to be back home safely and uh, among family again. And now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we commit this little time of study, Lord, into Your hands tonight. I pray You would anoint the Word, anoint our hearts, Lord, and uh, I pray, Father, that You would minister to those who are sick. We think, especially Brother Tim Ashong tonight, Lord, back in the hospital. And we ask and pray now that you would undertake for him and, Lord, be with him in a very real way. We want to say we love you, Lord, and thank you for all your goodness and how you provide so miraculously and supernaturally. And, Father, we ask now that you would just minister to every heart and soul. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. And all the good people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. God bless you. Certainly good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Everyone made it back safely and uh, we had a wonderful time. You will see and hear some of the testimonies and some of the pictures and so forth. I sent some, uh, didn't get a chance to send a whole lot uh, because we were trekking, what I call trekking, where we were um, moving across the country and um, we were in uh, uh, hot, dry, dusty, primitive conditions uh, for three three days and it was uh, really great. I just... Uh, I just love to to do that kind of trekking there. So you pray for Brother Aaron tonight that he'll uh, stay awake through this whole thing. And Brother Jeremy down there. And uh, forgive me if I get my words backwards. I'm going to try not to as much as I can. But um, I just wanted to come and and be with you tonight. Uh, Brother Tim Ashong, as has been said, he's been in the the hospital there. We are still... uh, very concerned about that because of the immigration issue. We don't want to have to see him leave the country in early January, first week of January, uh, while he's not fully recovered. So we're trying to, uh, it's, it's, we really need the Lord to touch him. All right. That's basically what we're asking because he needs to get out of the hospital to get on a plane, to go renew the visa to come back so that he can, you know, be here in in recovery. And, uh, that's that's going to be difficult but he has this uh pretty serious infection and because he's diabetic it it made things more complex and wound up when the doctors saw him they they put him immediately down to er and they put him in the hospital and uh so brother william ansong has been uh ministering and keeping me posted there so if you don't mind remembering that need in prayer we are looking forward to saturday night we want everybody to Uh, come expecting, come hungry. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we certainly enjoy that. Uh, You'll remember last year we had uh, a brother in Arusha, Tanzania, who fell through the roof while he was working as a carpenter on the roof. You remember he fell through, broke his leg, had a spiral fracture in the femur, and uh, we helped to uh, do the funds for surgery. And... uh, I, re- I bumped into him in the crowd, big crowd. It was at the meetings there and he came up to me and I asked him how's the how's the leg doing and he went like this. He said, you know, all good. It's all good and he uh, he, uh, uh we we just chatted for a little bit and and had our picture made together and uh, he was just really uh, really thankful for that. Also as well, we had recently, we had talked about a sister in Zimbabwe who had cancer in, in her throat area. She was operated on yesterday or the day before and came through very well. The Doctors apparently were very happy and so she's in recovery as well. Uh, so we're thankful for that. I wanted to, we are going to have a, a little bit of a report. We just won't do it tonight, but we'll, uh, we'll have a report. And I'll, I'll have to say this, that of all of our Times of being overseas and videoing uh, the documentary that we 're going to do is going to be pretty exciting by the time we get it uh, finished you'll you 'll really appreciate it, really enjoy it It was very professionally uh, done, and uh, it 'll be really great now um, <clears throat> let 's talk a little bit about this subject of uh, the nature of things here, and what I want to do is tell you a story uh, to begin with tonight and this is the story of John Blunt. And uh, John Blunt was a, uh, an, like an entrepreneur, a uh, very ambitious fellow. His motto was summed up in two words, think big. He lived at the turn of the century uh, in 1719 and uh, was a fellow who got in contact with the British government when the British, company, British government uh, was in debt about 30 million pounds, in 1719 they were in debt 30 million pounds uh that was an enormous sum of money uh that they owed because of several wars that they had fought and as a result of that they had an asset uh that they wanted to privatize we're going to sell off and uh try to uh satisfy some of the debt that they had and that was called and i'm 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 uh, packing a very complex kind of a story into just a few moments here just to give you an example of what it means when we talk about the nature, uh, man's nature. And uh, the uh, the South Sea Trading Company uh, was going to be divided up uh, and privatized so that people could purchase shares. And as that company which had the sole rights to travel to South America and also this was the era when America was quickly being settled. So lots of people, lots of companies were forming to move goods and and people over to the new world, and then in the new world, they were bringing goods and supplies back uh, so th- this was this was a big thing that was opening up uh, in that time period so uh, when John Blunt began to sell, he said, "You know what uh, we 're going to make a whole bunch of money, and he sold shares in this South Sea trading company to individuals. Well, uh, it caught on i mean it was a it was a real Uh, smoke and deal for a lot of people. In other words, the king of England bought $100,000 worth of shares. And when people like that began to buy shares, uh, lots of other people began to buy it. So people who were smart people, doctors, lawyers, uh, writers and teachers and professors, they they were all known to be buying these shares in this company and uh, making money. Well, uh, in order to keep it going, John Blunt had to promise people uh, even better returns. He had more people to buy it, and he took the sale of those returns and he put it back into the system again, and created what was innocently, quite innocently, the first Ponzi scheme, which uh, was you know money you know kept propagating more sales, and that money kept propagating more sales, and so forth. And uh, there was really not much behind it because a lot of it was speculation, and uh, so it, it was really quite interesting because a lot of people. Uh, caught on to this, and like I say, it went through England like wildfire, and there was, uh, for instance, there was one, uh, this story is very well documented because it was considered to be the first great scam uh, in modern history. But uh, there was one aristocratic lady who was uh, well known in London and she wrote a, a story and it was, it was actually published in the paper where she saw her maid, a former maid that she had was at the opera. The The wealthy lady was at the opera but she looked up in the in the fancy expensive boxes and she sees her former maid up there and she's got a ticket that's worth uh, way more money than what this wealthy lady had paid. And she scratched her head and she said, the whole world has gone, gone crazy. It's gone upside down. And, uh, but that was, the, that was the, uh, the exciting thing about that particular period of time. And so after a while, because uh, things like that very quickly could run out of gas, uh, the whole thing began to crash. And it was uh, John Blunt's, uh, you know, his great concern to keep it going. And tried to do it, had a little bit of a surge. And then uh, after a while, because it was really not built on anything except speculation, the whole thing crashed. And lots and lots of people lost their fortune. They lost their life savings. There was hundreds of people who committed suicide, including relatives of John Blunt. Now you've got to wonder what in the world, Brother Barry, are, is, is the point of all of this. And there was a book that was written, and this is the cover of the book here, The King, the Crook, and the Gambler. And uh, this became a huge thing. As a matter of fact, they say that it took over 100 years for the British government to recover uh, from this great fiasco, over 100 years. Uh, And so it's, uh, you know, it was something that marked that whole country. But what was interesting is that all of these people who had invested in this were not they were not people like who buy lottery tickets. These are people who were educated. They were the top part of society and very well known. One of the people who bought uh, into the South Sea Trading Company was Sir Isaac Newton. Considered to be one of the greatest minds in history. Not just of his era, but of history. Uh, he was a man who had uh, done extraordinary things. And <clears throat> Sir Isaac Newton, he had purchased... $7,000 worth of stock in the South Sea Trading Company. And as a result, if you look at the graph over in the very left over here, it shows uh, the meteor- meteoric rise of that investment. And the, the little letters say that Newton invests over here is the first uh, phrase. And then Newton exits happy. He had made seven, he turned $7,000 into $20,000. Now $20,000 would have been worth about $20 million. Uh, in terms of investment today, if you take that era 's dollars, it would have been about twenty million dollars. So it says that when Newton uh, uh, reached twenty million dollars from a seven thousand dollars investment, he being a scientist, figured out what goes up must come down. so he calculated that correctly and he said okay i 'm going to pull out at twenty million hey that 's a, that's a great investment in a very short period of time that 's a great investment." But the third line up from the bottom says, Newton's friends got richer. And so Newton says, and the fourth line up there, Newton re-enters with everything he had. And he got back into it again and figured, my goodness, if I can turn seven into 20 in a very short period of time, I could probably turn 20 into a whole bunch because my friends are all doing it and they're all making a fortune. It wasn't long after that that the whole thing crashed and came down. Uh, and it says that in the, on, the, on the right side of the graph over there, it says Newton exits broke. He lost everything he had and died basically a pauper in his day. And it was a real shock. Then he made this statement. He said, I can calculate the movement of stars and I can understand the laws of science and the natural physical earth around me. He said, but the one mystery that escapes me he says, is the nature of men. And he said, uh, he's in, this, in the shortened version, he said, I cannot understand the madness of men. So <clears throat> it, it was, uh, it, it's simply a demonstration of the fact that uh, the nature of man is a very powerful and sometimes a very elusive thing. And there are things that happen to us unconsciously even, and scientists say that our unconscious being, the unconscious part of me, constitutes about 85% of all my behavior. And I, I read that and I thought, wow, that's pretty scary really that there's a, something on the inside that I really can't see or touch that controls 85% of my behavior. Think about it. You got about 15% of what you're doing is on purpose. There, it is a result of your decisions. But 85% of what I do very often is motivated by something or influenced by something or somehow uh, you know an impulse that I'm not even thinking about, and that's the nature that we're born in. I got my my nature from mom and dad, and then a couple of uh, generations back in in uh, you know in the prison chain gang all the way back there, and and so there's things about me in my human part that I do that I don't even think about, and. Sometimes, I will tell you this quite honestly, that, uh, you know, I had always prided myself or complimented myself quietly, not publicly, but quietly as being good at something. And over the last couple of years, I, I came, my, my, realis- my, my proud realization was dashed upon the rocks of the reality of how people really saw me. I thought I was good at one thing. And then I realized, you know what? You're not that good at that. You're not as, certainly not as good as what you think. And it, it, takes a, uh, <laughs> it takes a person, I think, who's honest to be able to look at themselves and realize, you know what, uh, I'm not as good or I'm not as smart or I'm not as uh, responsible or I'm not as talented as what I think I am. Uh, the reality is a little bit different. And so therefore you have to face that and you've got to deal with that. I think all of us could probably, if we were doing the honesty thing, all of us could probably admit that there are things about ourselves that we have an opinion about, but it might be different for someone else. All right, enough of the vagary. All right, let's look at this in the Bible, in the message. And I will warn you, there's a lot in the Bible about this, because if 85% of stuff happens in your life is things that you do that you're not even thinking about, uh, the Holy Spirit has something to say about that stuff. And he wants you not to operate and live forever in the nature of your parents. But he wants to be that hidden power in your life to make you act a different way than the way you were born. He wants to change that. He's very interested in changing that. And so therefore, uh, there's a lot in the scripture and there's a lot in the message about this because uh, when, you, when you think about it, and I hope we'll be able to make at least a sensible statement about this tonight, uh, give you an Im- impression of you know, how important this is, uh, God is very interested in this particular subject. And so uh, I wanted to... Um, let you know that even someone as smart, as brilliant, and as well-known and well-educated as someone like Sir Isaac Newton, who thought he had it all figured out, uh, sometimes you come to the place where you realize that it's going to take more than brains for me to be a real son of God expressing Christ. It's not about brains. It's not about position. It's not about, uh, you know, your memory. It's not about any of that. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, helping you become what God wants you to become. That's really, really important. And I uh, hope we can say that properly tonight and moving forward. Now, just as an example of uh, human nature, Brother Branham said, Now, I believe if I should say to this courtroom tonight, How many in here would like to see him? Every hand would go up because we want to see him. You know why? Because we don't. Physically, we don't. We don't see the Lord Jesus here tonight. Now, we believe that he's here, right? How many of you believe that he's in you? But wouldn't it be neat to see him? And every one of us have that part of human nature that we would love to see it. So Brother Bram said, if I asked, everyone would put their hand up. Sure. It's just human nature to know there's something behind the curtain. And we want to see what it is. Right? There's nothing more exciting than when someone says, "Uh, let me tell you something. Don't tell anybody else. Or let me tell you something. I'm only telling you. I mean, that's a really exciting thing. Or... Uh, If I said that, you know, I got a really interesting picture coming up next, but I don't think I'm going to show it. I think I'll show it next week. Uh, My goodness, all kinds of people would be in my office afterwards and saying, hello. We want to see the picture. Brother Bram said it's human nature to know that there's something behind the curtain, we want to see what it is. Where did we come from? And if our Bible tells us that our names were put in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world, surely there was someone who knew us before there was a world. So it's kind of a mystery, isn't it? That we could, could exist back there and not know it, and then know now that we existed back here, and know that we have eternal life. And somebody had to put our name on the book, and now we'd like to be able to see that. How many of you would like to be able to see the Lamb's Book of Life? My goodness, that would be a wonderful thing. And to see your name on there, no wonder uh, you know, John rejoiced when he saw it, right? There's just something about it that if there's something behind a curtain, we want to know what it is. If there's a sculpture veiled, we want to know what's behind the the veil, right? We're never really happy until we see it. Now, last Sunday, I believe it was, or some service that I was in with you in, in this church... Uh, I was talking about that uh, software that exists where I was in the Detroit airport and I walked up, remember, and scanned my boarding pass. Remember I told you that? Everybody remembers that one, right? And all of a sudden it was on the billboard. And uh, uh, all my information was on there, my name and everything else. And it was a huge billboard and nobody else could see it. And there was a couple of people around me. There was an old lady who was there and a couple of people around who knew about the technology. And it set up right smack in the middle of the airport. And uh, they, were, they were standing like behind me. This woman was standing behind me. And I was standing behind another guy uh, who was looking at the same screen. And they could not see my screen. And I couldn't see their screen. Even if I was right behind them like that, I couldn't see their screen. It was exclusively mine. And it was, I mean, it was just amazing. Now, I mentioned that in church, I had, a, I had a gaggle of people in my office afterwards saying, we want to see the picture. Because that's a part of human nature. That's why I'm telling that again. That's a part of human nature to see what you can't see. Here's the picture. This is the Detroit airport, and on the top there, it says, hello, Barry, thank you for being a diamond medallion flyer. This is where your next flight is, and it gives me the destination, the time it's departing, the time from the spot you're standing on until you actually get to the gate, how many steps you're going to have to take, and all that technology was on that great big billboard that's right there. Nobody else could see it. Nobody else could see that, uh, what was on that billboard except me. No matter where I moved and no matter where I stood, nobody else could see it. It was really neat. And other people were behind me, and I was trying to see theirs. Couldn't do it. Now, there's a technology. Ask Lucas about it if you don't believe me or you want to understand how it is. The guy who wrote that technology is apparently a genius. And uh, he's a Chinese guy or a Japanese guy or something like that, Oriental. And uh, brilliant, brilliant mind. And he had, did I say something wrong? All the Asian people are smiling. So... Uh, he, he had invented this technology and it's all based on a scan of your body that they take and all this other stuff that's there. And uh, it was just amazing. But, uh, you know, how, how it is kind of spooky when you think about it. But uh, either way, uh, that's, that's the scene that you look at when you get to the Detroit airport. Now, it's human nature to kind of be curious about that and want to see it and want to know how it works. Because our human nature really is an interesting thing. Now, all right, here's a couple of statements now that we need to uh, put out here first to give us context. Brother Bram said, like Satan, he knows a lot about human beings. He said to God, or God said was saying to Job, what would a man give for his skin? And sure, he knows something about human nature. He helped pervert it. So Satan knows something about human nature. He helped to pervert it. And he had a hand in it, and he knows a lot about it, and he still knows what to do to cause people to fall because he understands human nature. Now listen now to what he says, you young people especially. He knows just to what to present, he knows just what to present before you and make you fall for it. He don't try to place a picture uh, a few years later and what brother is talking about here is smoking and he says, you know, whenever they do advertising, uh, they have young people standing around. they got a cigarette in their hands, and they're having a great time. And everybody's smiling and happy, and they're young, and they're wearing, uh, you know, cool, cool, cool clothing and all of that, you know. And, and Brother Bram said in the advertising, that's what they show you. They don't show you that person at the end of life, after they smoked all their life. They're addicted, and they smoke all their life. They show you the beginning. You remember the uh, the ad for the Winston Camel cigarettes? Remember that Joe Cool? Some of you remember. It was fairly recent before they banned cigarette advertising. It was the last push. ...for cigarette advertising, and it had Joe Cool smoking the camels, and uh, he was playing pool, and I mean it was a big deal. It was a really expensive but really popular and influential advertising campaign because it was like, if you're going to be cool, you're going to do this. You're going to look like this. You're going to smoke these, and uh, it was a really big deal, and it was so effective... That's when the government stepped in and said, we're going to stop cigarette advertising because it's influencing too many people, uh, you know, to smoke. Well, you know what? Uh, Now, if you look at the numbers and the statistics, you know, I guess that worked. There's less young people smoking (laughs) because now they're all vaping and doing marijuana. But either way, that's a different story. Now, Brother Branham goes on to say, he says, you'd be daring to put a picture of a completely nude woman out there. But he knows just how much clothes to take off for her to make it tempting. You know why? Because he understands human nature. He knows human nature. He knows exactly how to catch you in it too. And he's awake day and night going about like a roaring lion devouring what he will. And you know how he does it? You know how he attacks so effectively is because he understands human nature. And it's just amazing how subtly influences and, and things will appear uh, that you know are not sent by the Holy Spirit. But you know what? They really appeal to you because somebody's tapped into your human nature. Now, that's, that's, that's a scary thing. Uh, in a sense, it's uh, uh, something that we need to pay attention to because it's very real. It's very real. Now, let's go on the other side. Brother Bam says, may they not only be baptized with water, and he's praying here in 1964. He said, which is the only outward sign that something, in, which is only an outward sign that something inside has happened. So water baptism uh, doesn't save us. The water has no redeeming value, but it is a sign or a symbol that something on the inside has happened. How many can say amen? And he says, there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, and that baptism is spiritual baptism. The body being washed is only an illustration or to give a sign that something has happened. So we, we get baptized because God's d- doing something on the inside. We make mistakes constantly. That's why we repent constantly. And we should. But Brother Manum said there are things we do outside to reflect what's happening on the inside. But watch now. He said it's that soul that's got to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. So it's not just the external part you've got to go through. It's the inside. It's the new birth. Because that's the eternal, watch now, coming into the human nature and changing it, making it a believer. And I pray that, you'll, that they'll receive the Holy Spirit. I command them to know. I command them to you now. Uh-huh. I told you I'd do this. But he said, I, I pray that they'll receive the Holy Spirit and I command, command them to you now as trophies of the message and of the grace of Christ. So brother man's remedy for the previous screen, which is Satan messing with your nature because it's fallen, is to replace that nature with a divine nature that Satan can mess with or overcome. Right? And that's... Our only hope. You'll never live a successful Christian life without the nature of God. I said you'll never live a a successful overcoming Christian life without the nature of Christ in you. You'll never do it. Because you know what? There will be a time when the temptations of this world will drag you under. Because Satan studies human nature. Knows your human nature. And you know what? Environment will always trump the will. Remember that? Environment will always trump the will. Because you hang around with people, hang around with influences, you're exposing yourself to influences all the time. And I will tell you what: it's not any coincidence sometimes that uh, you know things are presented to you the way they are. Uh, you know, somebody somebody uh, comes to your classroom, or there's uh, you know you, you you get exposed to something on the internet or something else. Satan is watching all the time. Brother Bram says that he doesn't he doesn't sleep. He's always watching for an inroad. All right. So human nature now is the thing that he knows that he can work with in you. And so therefore, your only success and you need to hang on to this. Your only success is that uh, through a new birth, the eternal nature of God would actually come in and not whitewash the old nature. But that one's got to die. Right. Are you following me? That one's got to die. God's not into reforming now. Right. Hello. God's not a reformer, but we're talking about a new birth. Do you agree? God's not giving you your fallen nature a, a uh, you know, a Christian character for dummies book and hoping that you make it. He's not doing that. He doesn't trust that nature. It came from the fall in the Garden of Eden. It came from Adam who was the uh, first one that possessed that fallen nature here, there, him and Eve. And God is not, uh, he's not taking that into glory. He's not taking that home. If you're a child of God, let me tell you, it's got to be the nature of God that's there. And that's what's going to take eternity. All right? So let's, let's just carry this now a little bit through here. In the seal of the Antichrist, Brother Branham said, if we're ever resurrected into resurrection, the very life that God tore out of the body of Christ. So remember at Calvary, Jesus died. Uh, he took the body, the spirit he gave, the, the, he ascended up on high, and the spirit he sent back on the day of Pentecost. So that's what he means when he tore it in two. Taking this body up, set it at the right hand of the majesty on high, and sent back the Holy Spirit. Watch now. It will make you live a God-centered life or it isn't the Spirit of Christ in you. It will make you live a God-centered life or it isn't the Spirit of Christ in you. Even if, even if it's not an easy thing to do and even if you don't do it initially, let me tell you something. If a person is born again and the life of Christ is in them, they're going to come around to God's way. They're going to come around to doing things God's way. If you're the kind of a person that has real trouble forgiving, let me tell you, God has ways of uh, God has ways of uh, helping you to come to the place where you will forgive. God has ways of helping you see things as they really are. God has ways of helping you be confronted with yourself so that you will actually take the steps necessary to change. I was I was dealing with uh, I remember I was dealing with a couple good couple and you're a know, wonderful uh couple that you know served the lord wanted, wanted to live right and so forth but ran into some problems and uh, the the thing that i was asked to help with was the condition that she was in and i i rarely in my years had seen somebody who was in such a nervous condition as she was and when i went in to meet with them i met in person with them and spent a whole day with them And uh, when I did, I prayed before I went in and I said, Lord, I said, you know what the root of this is. I'm not a prophet, so I can't look back in their life and I can't, I don't have the vision to be able to see where this actually began and what the problem is. But we got in the room and and three of us and we just, we just prayed together and uh, the Lord uh, just uh, gave me, just dropped a little thought into my heart that I thought was unrelated, but I began to talk about it. And uh, both of them just kind of went like, Whoa. And she said, that's absolutely the truth. And he said, that's the truth. In other words, for her, it was a light that went on that's something she didn't know about. But now all of a sudden it brought things together and made sense. But for him, he realized, you know what, my number's up. Brother Barry knows what's going on. And it was not me at all. It was just saying a word that pr- turned the light switch on. And all of a sudden they realized, whoa. Now, what happened was, the beautiful thing that happened was, is that in exposing the thing that was wrong, it turned both of them to a place of repentance. And they came back together. And I talked to that uh, sister just recently. And they said they're just doing absolutely tremendous. And the relationship is really good. They're working through things. And, and things are really good. So all I'm saying to you is this, is that uh, sometimes you can be in a position for a long time justifying your actions, justifying your position, thinking that you're right, and all of that. But the Holy Spirit has a way of helping us look at ourselves the way He sees us. It, it's not a public shaming. That's not what it's about. But you know what? There may be things in us that need a little bit of adjustment or correction, and the Holy Spirit knows how to get that done. And, be, and, and and essentially he's telling us, I want you to live my way. My way is purer. My way is better. My way is cleaner. My way uh, will produce the most growth in you. And, and it'll cause you to keep me at the center. It'll cause you to uh, keep me right in the middle of everything you think and everything you do. And, and this is what this couple experienced, and uh, this is what Brother Branham says, that uh, this is your only hope, this is, this is the way to make it, this is the way to become what God predestinated you to be, is to make sure Christ is the center of your life. Now, again, here's Brother Branham, just a couple of statements here, he says, now, uh, I've, uh, he said, on my desk I've got 300 invitations to uh, go to different places, and Brother Branham said, well, he said, here's what I want to tell you, Brother Branham, you're just too radical, Uh, You know, this man was saying, we wouldn't invite you because you're too radical. And I said, well, you know what? I'm an Irishman by birth, the first birth, a Jew by the second. He says, then, you know, mix that together, hard telling what you'd have. And maybe I'm just actually radical, I guess. It's just my nature to be that way. Uh, I just go wholeheartedly. And when I think anything's right, I just sell everything I got and go to it. That's the way it was with Christ to me. And now my people before me was Catholic from Ireland, all came from Dublin. And I read that and I thought, you know what, me and Brother Branham are probably related after all. And uh, although I was from the other side of Ireland and uh, uh, he was saying that, you know, he's from, this, uh, from the Dublin town uh, over there. But either way, uh, you, you think about this. Now, and he's making a simple statement here that we'll just put in our pocket here. That when you take the natural part of who I am and the way God made me. And guess what, I'm not just talking about me. But when you look at the natural part of all of us, we're all unique and we're all different, we're all made a certain way, and a combination of a set of genes and a family tree going backwards, and I'm that part of me, but there's also a divine part of me. He said that's the Jewish side. So we got this Irish side, and he's got Indian mixed in there as well, right? And he says now we take the uh, divine side, the Jewish side, in other words, we're going to lean towards the book side, He said, that's what God's put in me. He said, my goodness, maybe I am actually radical. And I will tell you this, whether you believe it or not, you probably are more radical to the people around you and the people you work with and the people who see you and all of that. Uh, You're probably more radical than what you think. They're just being polite. Because in a lot of ways, they can't figure you out. Someone said about my wife the other day, they said, "You know, they don't know us very well, but they said, well, you know, Sister Becky only wears dresses when she's around. And that's the only time that she wears dresses. And another sister said to this woman who's not a believer, and she said, I can guarantee you, Sister Becky wears dresses and skirts all the time. So do I. And this woman had nothing to say, had no response because she thought, well, they're just doing that religiously to show themselves, but in private and at home and so forth and at play, uh, you know, they're, they're switching to slacks like everybody else. And the sister said, no, that ain't true. There's a lot of people think that we're, we're kind of radical in the way that we believe. And, and you know what? We hang around with believers enough, which is a good thing. We don't realize sometimes how radical we actually are. But we are. Uh, We're different because, uh, you know, we are the personality that we are. But we have this divine nature uh, that's in there. And so, therefore, our decisions and our choices, they're unusual. Paul says, when I I come to you, he says in one of the epistles, when I come to you, I come to you in weakness and in trembling and in fear and brokenness. My goodness, who would you ever send out with that message? Right? Who would you... Uh, would you, would you get a bunch of seminarians in, uh, coming out of, coming out of uh, grad school and say, Hey, all right, now you're, listen, you're ministers, you're theologians, go out in the world, but go out in weakness, go out in brokenness, go out in fear and trembling. It's kind of the opposite of what, what we're trying to do for the last four years to teach you to know and to understand and to, you know, to be on top of things. But Paul says, When I come to you, he says, I don't come that way. He says, I come to you in the simplicity of the gospel. I come to you as knowing nothing. Because you know what? Then the Holy Spirit has something to work with. No matter how smart you are, it's, it's an attitude that makes a difference. So for us, we don't go in the logical way. And it's because of the divine nature. All right? Now, Brother Bram says, now, I just passed my birthday last Monday. I was 55 years old. And you know, the Branham family never did ask me to join the family. I was born a Branham. And that's how we are Christians. The Branham family never did ask me to join the family. I was born a Branham, and that's how we're Christians. We're not Christians because we grew up in a Christian family. We're not Christians because we attend a Christian church. We're Christians because we're born that way. And he says we are born a Christian by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're Christians by birth. That makes us new creatures. And in our old nature, we could never be Christians. In our old nature, we could never be Christians. I'll show you the scripture in a moment. He said that's the reason today that we have so many calling themselves Christians and living any kind of a life, but they've never experienced that born again, that something that changes you and takes that life out. There's a lot of people that go to church and fulfill the requirements and learn the Bible verses and go through all the motions that they're taught to go through. And at the end of it, they feel Christian. They feel, I've done what I need to do. I've done what my church requires. God help that church if they're not making the right requirements of the people. If they're not teaching the right things to the people. Right? But if you are telling the people the truth, and they come that way, that's a different experience that they're going to have. They're going to come to an encounter with Christ. They're going to come to a place of genuine repentance. And in non-seed, there's nothing to quicken. So therefore... It's not possible for everybody to become a Christian because you've got to have something on the inside to quicken in order to bring new life. Everybody understand? He said, that's the reason we have so many people calling themselves Christians, but they're living any kind of a life. Because they're learning this. They're, they're, uh, they're associating themselves with Christians here. Where Brother Branham says, hey, that's not how I was a part of the Branham family. And that's not how I'm a part of the body of Christ. He says we are part of the body by the power of the resurrection of Christ and born again. Okay? So this is pretty simple, pretty understand, pretty self-evident. Now, Brother Branham gets graphic now, and he says this uh, in, in lots of places at the beginning of his ministry and the end of his ministry, uh, being a man of the country. He said, now you take a pig, and you say to this pig, I'm going to make you a lamb. You try to convince him, all right, buddy? Hey, we're going to be like a lamb from now on. And you wash him, and you paint his toenails and so forth and give him food like a sheep and give him some kind of a diet like a sheep and put him on the floor uh, out there where the sheep herd in the alfalfa and there's a mud hole somewhere, that hog will just go straight to that mud hole as fast as he can go. Why? Because his nature is still a hog. Doing all that renovation and all that uh, reforming on the outside, ain't gonna matter a lick when he gets out there and you know the wind changes and he smells that mud coming. Oh, that smell of that fresh slop, and he hears the other hogs going to it. Oh, There's something good about that. Now, I don't mean to make this analogy. Please don't take this too literally. But I was watching Brother Aaron, and he was over, we were over in Africa, and he got over there, and naturally everything is African, and they brought out the African breakfast. Oh, he just slid into that channel. And he just enjoyed it so much. And I said to Brother Jeremy, I think it was, wherever he is. And I said, I said just watch. He's so, he's so slipped into that channel and, uh, you know, worshiping with the Africans and their way and, and uh, just really enjoying it. Because it, that, that's who he is. That's where he's from. And for us, it's different. You know, we react differently to all that. But uh, for him, it's just so natural and just fit right into it. It was, just, it was wonderful to watch. And he said, now, notice, now he said, and that's the reason that church members today, they indulge in the things of the world, is because their nature hasn't changed. Now, are they carrying a Bible? Yeah. Is their hair cut right? Yeah. Are they going to all the right camps? Absolutely. Are they saying all the right jargon? Are they wearing the T-shirt, you know, the HBT. I, I survived HBT, or whatever else. And he says, they, they've got all of that. They've got all the outside stuff but he says their nature hasn't been changed. And they'll eat any kind of ecclesiastical, theological slop. But the word of God can't stand it. And they go in and, and they'll listen to the word. And they'll listen to this slop as well. Can you stop for a minute? Can you imagine how people must have felt when Brother Branham was out teaching this, this stuff? Back in 1964. And he's calling... A lot of the, the Sunday school stuff, you know, that they had in the program, the program prepackaged, canned stuff, all about the Trinity and so forth. And he says it's just eccolo- ecclesiastical theological slop. I, hey, listen, all, all the more power to him. Now, all right. So here's another statement, same thing, but Brother Bram's way early in his ministry now, and he says if a sinner went out tonight and said, "Well, I got saved," and yet you look just like you always did. You're the same person, you go right straight back to your sinning like a hog to its wallow and a dog to, the, to its vomit. He says you could take a hog and scrub it up with soda and do that painting on our toenails like the women do on their fingers and fix it up with clothes on, put them on a hardwood floor and give them grape nuts for breakfast. Now I gotta stop, I, I highlighted grape nuts here because I don't understand how Brother Branham felt about grape nuts except he figured that was the food of the wealthy or something, or, I don't know. Now, I like grape nuts. I, I think they're good. I don't eat a lot of them, but I think they're good. But he always throws it in, in, in situations like this. Now, you know what, you say we're a brother, what does that matter? Nothing. But I just thought I'd throw it in, because I, I remark that every time that I see it. And he said, so put them on a hardwood floor, in other words, you've got a nice environment, and grape nuts for breakfast. He said, that hog would die. He couldn't stand that. You know, for a while it would be a novelty. It, it's just like uh, one, one the very first year that I went into full-time ministry and I was invited to pastor a church up in Ohio. And before we uh, had our house, we had a rented, little rented house. And before we got into that house, we lived with a couple who were in the church. It was the, an elder brother who was there. So it was just Sister Becky and I. There was no, uh, no one else there. And uh, it was the good old days, you know, before you had children. And we had... Uh, we had to live with them, and they had a little house, and and what, what we found out was that the brother who lived in the house, the older man, he had really bad arthritis, and he got onto a fruit diet, fruit and nuts, and it really helped him. He must have been lacking something that the fruit and nuts really helped, and so he ate. I mean, now we're talking fruit and nuts until they came out your ears. He had... He, He had a black belt in fruit and nuts. All kinds of fruits and all kinds of nuts. Well, when I got there and we came out for breakfast, I saw the fruit and nuts. I said, hey, honey, pinch me. Have I died and went to heaven? Is this the millennium? I mean, I thought this was great. I'd never had so many fruits and nuts and a variety, and I was eating them until I ate a lot. And second day we came out, same thing. Second day, third day we came out. And then you're starting to think about, wouldn't it be great to have a fried egg with this? And then by the fourth day we're saying, hey, thanks, so we're going to slip out for breakfast. Because that's not what we normally did. Great Great for a time or two. Brother Bram said, you take somebody out of the world and you do that to him from the outside in. And he says, you turn them loose. He, he, or sorry, sorry, he said, you change that person like that from the outside. And he said, that, that hog would die. You Turn him loose, although soured, scoured up. He said, he'd go straight to the wallow again as soon as he could get to it. Because the hog nature is there. Why? Why is that? Because the hog nature is still there. And you know what? That nature is going to override the environment even that a person's in. So if a person is not born again, that, that human nature, that fallen nature, is going to overcome even the good environment that he's in. So yes, this is what I'm saying. If, a, if a, a person comes into the church and they're not born again, they're not truly born again filled with the Holy Spirit, there will eventually be something that, that, that overcomes them in a way that they'll not continue to walk in god's narrow way because it's not in them to do it and satan knows just how to put something in your path and to attract you uh you know with your fallen nature to pull you i've seen it happen many many times now watch how he goes on the same quote but you put a lamb in there in that wallow and he'll bleat and cry until somebody gets him out of there Take a lamb, put him in the, in the, in the pig pen. He'll bleat and cry until somebody gets him out. And if you want to keep a hog out of the wallow, listen, if you want to keep a hog out of the wallow, change the nature of the hog. Are you following me? If you want to keep the hog out of the mud, change the nature of the hog. It's, folks, it's got to be from the inside out, not the outside in. This is not about teaching you Christian behavior. This is about a new birth that that causes something to happen and grow on the inside that pushes out all of the old here. And if you want to keep the hog out of the water, then change the nature of the hog. That's the way to keep the sinner out of the things of the world is change the nature from a sinner to a Christian. You know what? I can make all kinds of rules here, uh, for everybody and say, now, you can't do this. And if you're going to be a part of this church, uh, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you got to do this. And you got to dress this way. And you got to bring your computer every week so the uh, deacons can search the history. And, uh, you have to do this. I can make all kinds of rules, very strict rules. You know, if you're a part of this church, we're going to have a, uh, you know, a locator on your phone and we're going to have a, uh, a history monitor on your computer or whatever. We're going to send sister nanny with you home so that whenever you go to a place that's not right, it'll flash up on the big board at the pastor's house. Hey, you can make all kinds of rules you want. It'll never keep the hogs out of the pig pen because that's their nature. I'd, listen, I talked to people who were, who were raised and uh, went for years in Bible schools in Canada. Went to, went to Bible schools and they had the fences and they had the restrictions and they had the timelines when everybody had to be in and lights out. This is, I mean adults in schools. And they they had all of that in place. And he's, one brother told me, who came in the message later on, he said, hey, we knew how to get under the fence. We knew how to get around the controls. We knew how to uh, get out when the lights went off and all the rest of it. They had to figure it out because, you know what, uh, this, this, was, this was not the real life of Christ. The real life of Christ will keep you like nothing else. And that's the way to keep the sinner out of the things of the world, is to change in nature from a sinner to a Christian. And that can only be done through the great, powerful work I've seen prostitutes change. Hey, listen, everything is possible when God gets a hold of a person's life, everything is possible. And it doesn't matter what you were. It matters who's on the inside transforming you and, and producing the life of Christ that's inside of you. It, it's, it's not Brother Barry's teaching. It's not hanging around with other believers. That's not it. And, and when we when we rely on that kind of thing... Let me tell you, it's only from the outside in. It's got to be something from the inside out. So you you people that, uh, you know, are going through those uh, early life stages with Christ, you ought to be praying, Lord, just continue to express yourself. Come from the inside out. Help me, Lord, to do this because I believe it and I trust that it's right. And let me tell you, I've talked to a lot of kids who are extremely frustrated because their parents tried to make them conform to the things that the message teaches. And without the Holy Ghost, they couldn't do it. And they, knew, they might have known intellectually it was right. They might have known that there is no really any other life outside of this. But without the Holy Spirit, they can't live it. They can't live it. Because the pull of the world and all the other things are too strong. Uh, they, they, I, I, I always try to caution those parents that this is really not a child problem initially here. But tell me how you're treating this child. And they're pushing that child and binding that child and, and causing fear in that child. If they don't serve God, you know what? You're going to wind up going to hell. And then if they're in a church where the pastor agrees with that philosophy, he'll start to tell them from the pulpit they're going to go to hell. And don't tell me it doesn't happen. It sure, certainly does happen. Kids like that, to me, need to be discipled. And they need to have uh, somewhere where they can go and get some answers and uh, you know work on the, the principle of their own experience with God and not their parents' experience with God. And parents should be discipling their children and not just uh, being critical of their children because they're not doing things that are right. Come on up here, Sawyer. Let me illustrate real quickly. If Sawyer's got my faith, he's going to look like this. He's got my faith because that's what he's learned from me all these years, right? And he's, everything that... You know, Mom and Dad did. That's what he does. He goes, Mom and Dad wears what they tell him, goes to church when it's time and so forth. But, you know, he comes to a place where he realizes this ain't me. This is Dad. Right? So he's got he's to have this own experience so he has his own proper-looking robe and proper-looking experience with God. I mean, this is, this is okay, but there comes a time when it ain't okay. Right? It's okay till it's not okay. And now you kind of feel kind of stupid wearing that because it, it looks stupid. So this ain't Sawyer anymore. Right? So he's, you know what? He's going to look much better when he puts on his own experience and has his own mantle that, that is Sawyer. He's got to find that. But if I keep telling him, listen, it doesn't matter what you think. You got to wear that because that's what the rules are. He's going to be discontent continually. He's going to be unsettled. He's not going to be happy about who he is. He's not going to be excited about going to church because nothing seems to fit. Now, when you're five, that's different. But when you're, how old are you? See, he was blushing a minute ago. And I mean, it was just, uh, it's, just it's not him. So he's got to, if, if he's a seed of God, God's going to put something in him to find his own experience and relationship with God. Trouble is, a lot of parents interpret that as rebellion. And it really isn't rebellion. It's the growing pains of his grace that brings him into his own experience. Now, it can be rebellion, and that's a different sermon. But he's, he's got to grow into that. So give me my jacket back, will you, if you will? So this jacket is good on me because it's mine. But now, I should, as a parent, I should be encouraging him, and not because his dad's sitting right here. But I, but I want to encourage him to, hey, God's got a jacket for you. God's got a mantle for you. He's got an experience for you. And let me encourage you to find that and to be who God made you to be. All right, you can sit down. But that's, that's, that's how it comes to be. And if I tell him to be happy in my jacket, you know what, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. And it, there winds up being a lot of frustrated young people uh, who are trying to conform to everything around them because they don't have their own experience. It would be much more profitable to teach him to have and encourage him to have and show him how to have his own experience with God that he can have his own mantle. Does that make sense? So nature is, in, by definition, it is the nature of things like the force and the laws of things. Like nature. And nature obviously has characteristics about it. And it is a... It is also, if you come down through the, uh, through the definition there, it is an origin. It's a beginning of something. So when we talk about a new, new nature, it's a beginning of something. It is a way of acting, uh, which either by long habit has become nature. This is the way my parents did it. My great-grandparents did it. This is the way we always were. But remember now, when God puts a new nature in there, it's not going to be based on what your family did. It's going to be based on the Word of God, right? And so it's going to be those properties that are inherent in the word of God. So God, knowing this now, knowing this, he said, hey, I will take out that old stony heart from you. This was his promise. I'll take this out and then I'll put in a new one. And that new heart and that new spirit will cause you to walk in my statutes and judgments. So really... This In this scenario right here, this is the scripture saying that you want to show Sawyer and say, Sawyer, this is what you should be praying for. Lord, take out my natural stony way that I was born with by, by natural birth and Lord, put this in me. Whatever whatever uh, Whatever way we describe that experience, I want to have this new thing in me so that I can become a new creature in Christ. And in the same way that a baby is awkward, if you, if you try to get the baby to walk, you know, a week after he's born, he's probably not going to do so well. Uh, in the same way, a new birth, you know, causes someone to begin to walk in a new way, and it's not so smooth, it's not so fluid, they don't have it all together. But you know what? As long as Christ is the originator, as long as he's the author of that birth, it's going to cause a young person to walk in newness of life. As awkward as it is, and we feel like we're making all kinds of mistakes, we become self-conscious and all the rest of it. But you know what? I mean, I didn't know how, How short should I cut my hair? What should I, what should I do with this? What should I do with that? When I, when I, I remember my experience with God, I had all kinds of questions about, well, what about this and what about that? And I had no pastor. We had no church. Uh, we didn't have anything. I only had my brother and he was about a month older in the faith than I was. And we didn't have answers. So you know what we did? We went back to the messages and we began to listen and we began to read our Bibles fervently. And we read through everything and we learned and we gleaned what we could. And whenever we got around to minister, we started pumping the questions and asking them, how about this? I'm seeing this in the message. How about that? Uh, how did the serpent seed get through the ark? And should I, uh, you know, is it okay to wear sneakers? Is it, I mean, we didn't know anything. But you know what? It was the Holy Spirit in us searching for truth. That was the beautiful thing. It's a search for truth. And this is what we want to pray for. This is what we want to have happen in our lives. That it's not me anymore, but it's something. There's a new life on the inside, and it's searching for the right answers. Paul takes this right to task and says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's got that new life force that's inside of him, and it's causing him to walk in newness of life. That's exactly what we should be praying for. It's what we should be seeking, and it's not just Old Testament. And he said that word is a seed, and that word will bring forth... Everything it's promised to bring forth. That word will bring forth everything it's promised to bring forth. If that, if that word is a seed and that person's experienced that and that seed is quickened, it'll bring forth everything it's promised to bring forth. So, in other words, let's say it this way. It'll, uh, uh, he, uh, let's finish the quote. It'll take the world out of you. It'll sanctify you. It'll make you a different life. It'll make you do things you thought you couldn't do because it's the word of God in you. I can, I can guilt you about coming to church. I could guilt you because you're not here. I could guilt you because, uh, my goodness, you're, you got children and you ought to be coming to church. And I could make a sermon based on guilt for not coming to church. But you know what? After a while, that, that effect would wear off. But you get a person who's really got an experience with God. They want to go to church somewhere. They want, to, they want to be in the presence of God, primarily. And then they want to be with people who also love the presence of God. And they want to just study the word. They want to know the word. They want to, they want to experience the author of the word. Hey, listen, this, the Bible is the only book that you can read that the author shows up when you read it. It's a, it's a glorious book. You read it enough and he'll show up. No other book like that you'll find. But when a person, if, listen, the Christian life is not lived by me guilting you. The Christian life is lived because the Holy Spirit quickens the word that you hear and, and, and causes you to walk in it. So I shouldn't have to be going through uh, you know, the role of a pastor and putting my foot on your back and say, go to church, go to church. It should be there. Because that's a part of the Christian life. I shouldn't have to tell you, you've got to read your Bible. Reading our Bible is a part of being a Christian. And so on and so on. We've heard. We've, we've heard a lot. We've heard a lot of good things. We're not a people who don't know. We are a people who do know. I shouldn't have to force anyone to forgive someone else. Forgiveness should be something that if you've read your Bible at all, you read Matthew chapter 17 and 18, you realize, whoa, I got to forgive in order to be forgiven. So you know what? I'm going to do it. I don't need to have Brother Barry to tell me, is it okay? Yes, it's okay. It's okay if the Bible says it's okay. And we've got we to gotta come to that place. We've got to come to that place where uh, the Holy Spirit actually has guidance. And what Brother Rams helping us to understand, and what the Scriptures help us to understand, is that we don't have a chance unless we have Ezekiel 36. We don't have a chance unless it's him in us. If it's just me doing it, that's not going to last. If it's just me doing it, there's going to come something along more powerful and more persuasive that will pull me away from that. But if it's Christ in me, you know what? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Don't have a worry in the world when it's Christ in us. We'll survive. We'll overcome. We'll make it to the other side. All right. Let's stop there. Let's stand to our feet. We have our musicians just slip up here if you don't mind. Ezekiel says, if this happens, he says, ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. My family can't deny me, because there's ample proof that I'm one of them. The DNA is there, the birth records are there, jail I mean, the the other evidence is all there, and they can't deny me, and And this is exactly what Ezekiel is saying. I'm doing this not so you become my people, but I'm doing this because you are my people. And I'm doing this because you are to come back to original design. And he says, and I'll save you from all your uncleanness and so forth. And I'll put things in action and in place for you uh, that that, uh, will cause you to do things that you ordinarily would not do yourself in your human nature. I, I, I think it's a wonderful process. And you know what? It's all given to us so rich and free. God doesn't ask you to pay. He just asks you to obey. That's all he does. <clears throat> now, my Bible is still with my luggage. My luggage is still not home yet. So inside of my Bible is my song sheet. So I don't have a thing here in terms of what I should sing at the moment. Draw me close to you. Sing it now. people who probably just about all of us have gone through this experience We've gone through an encounter with you Lord and experienced a new birth and Lord every one of us who have been in the way Lord and we consider ourselves a son or a daughter of God a real child of God Lord we, we want more of this we want more of the nature of Christ our best overcoming is done through you not through us our best overcoming, our, our best, the best victories we enjoy are when we yield to you, Lord, when we surrender and submit ourselves to you. We're at our best when we obey. We accomplish most when we listen to you closely. And Lord, because so many things in our life, the way we're built is unconscious. We don't even think about it. Our actions are, things we sometimes say and Lord there's all kinds of things that we just like to let go of search our hearts oh God tonight I pray search our minds help us Lord I pray for those of us that are raising children and grandchildren help us Lord to be a real example of what Christianity is and what it should be and Lord help us to be sincere that others would recognize that there's just something different about us in a very ungodly and time, Lord, when things are not so sanctified, that Lord, they'd see something different in us. And Lord, we we just submit ourselves humbly to you, Lord, to accomplish that. Have your way we pray. And Lord, like Newton found out, it's not through intelligence. And as the Apostle Paul said in our initial reading, it's, it's a people who become a law to themselves because they're not trying to follow a set of rules. They're, they're not trying to just do things because everybody else is doing it. They're doing it because there's something inside causing it to happen. And Lord, the Apostle Paul was telling us that's a, that's a new rule. That's a new way. That's the life of Christ in us. Bless the people now, Lord, we pray in our assembly, and Father, we, we pray that you'd strengthen us for your service, Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord, for departure from this earth, Lord, hold us until we meet again, we commit our lives into your care. We thank you, Brother Tim Ashong, tonight, and ask you, Lord Jesus, to bless him and to minister to him and his wife, and Father, just bring them speedy healing as our prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you and we enjoy your presence and now have your way in the balance of our week, Lord, and our fellowship on Saturday night. Lord, we just ask that you'd be in it all and we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' lovely and holy name. Amen. And amen. Amen.